And thank you, Katie. How are we doing this morning? It's a little bit warm in here. Um, we are aware of that, and uh, we've got everything cranking, and I believe that the school is working on getting the air conditioner situation fixed, uh, hopefully this week. But there's also a cold front coming tomorrow. I don't know if you saw that, you know, back down into the mid-90s, so really excited uh, about that. And if you just at some point in the service you feel hot, um, donate to the building campaign, okay? That would be great. That's the way that we're going to fix that. <laughs> uh, I'm serious. Uh, let me invite you to turn to John chapter 13. Uh, John chapter 13 is where uh, I'll be in just a few minutes. And just as a reminder uh, about what we're doing here as, uh, as a church family, why we gather uh, on a Sunday, there's a lot of reasons that we're here. Hopefully that you're here to learn something. I think that we all uh, hopefully learn a little bit every week, but I hope that you also come to uh, encourage someone else. Uh, and I hope that uh, you come to be encouraged. Uh, but at the end of the day, we come to meet with God and to um, be shaped by him into the image of Christ. And so we're walking through right now our summer series uh, that we're calling Christianity 101. And honestly, we're going to keep going on this a couple weeks um, more than I had planned originally because there's just too many foundational things uh, that we have been thinking through and talking about that uh, are just incredibly important for us to understand uh, as Christians and as a church family. Uh, and so today, what we're going to be talking about, Katie told us already, is a little bit just about what does it mean to truly be uh, shaped and formed into the image of Christ by way of being servants, okay? Uh, and we're going to tease out a few things because being a servant at heart is different than just serving, okay? So we're getting down into actually transformational things where God does something to change uh, us at the deepest part of our being that actually uh, finds its way out in changing our behaviors and what we do. Uh, because here's one of the questions that I want to pose uh, for this morning. Uh, we really have two options and, and two options only for the way that we are going to live and the way that our lives are going to be formed. Uh, we have the option to be formed by our culture or to be formed by Christ. That, that, that's the only two options that we have. You know this, those are very different options, and if we're not trying to do one, you default to one, all right? Be, if we're not actively trying to listen to God's uh, word, to listen to his spirit, and to be shaped purposefully into the image of Christ, we are going to, even unbeknownst to us, be shaped and formed into the image of our culture, and that's not a good thing. Okay, that's not a good thing, but that's the default of the human heart. Uh, Paul would say that, uh, that there's evil forces sent out by Satan himself that are kind of ruling the culture and the, the prince of the power of the air that's at work all over the place. And so if we're not purposefully trying to uh, submit ourselves to God's word and be shaped by him, uh, we're going to be shaped by the culture. Our opinions are going to be shaped by the culture. And so if I just ask each one of us today this question, uh, what have we spent more time doing this week, listening to the news or reading our Bible? Many of us would say, neither. I scroll Facebook, you know, whatever it is. Like if we're not purposefully being shaped by one thing, we're being shaped by another thing. And if we're not careful, uh, then what we watch, uh, what we listen to just slowly seeps into our brain and affects what we believe, affects our opinions on things, uh, that our opinion on what's right and wrong, good and bad, sinful or not, is shaped by the culture, not by Christ. Our values, uh, what we choose to value or not value, will be shaped by whoever has 
uh, the most uh, time and the loudest voice in our ears, uh, our behaviors, our thoughts, all of those things. We have two options, uh, one to be uh, formed by the culture or to be transformed into the image of Christ. Today, uh, starting with John 13, uh, we're going to have a Jesus sandwich, okay? Uh, and I love sandwiches, but Jesus sandwiches are the best. Uh, this is what I mean by that. We're going to start with Jesus, looking in John chapter 13, and then we're going to look at us and some implications for us as Jesus wants to change us, to conform us into his image, and then we're going to wind up back uh, looking at Jesus. I think that's the best way to approach this topic. So the background uh, to John chapter 13 uh, is this. Uh, This is the last, what we call the last supper, uh, or really the last few hours um, that Christ had, and he was very well aware of this. Uh, He was aware that his time on earth was up, and uh, the crucifixion was coming in just a matter of hours, and I don't know if you could imagine Imagine yourself in that position, but uh, just to to write yourself into the story, imagine that you actually knew that uh, this was your last day on planet Earth, uh, and there was a pretty ugly death coming for you in a few hours. Uh, Like, if you literally knew that you were about to be arrested, falsely accused, uh, drug away, crucified, beaten half to death, stripped down naked, hung up publicly to be shamed and beaten to death until your body uh, is slowly drained of life as the blood drops to the ground, right? If you're in that space where you know that's coming in a few hours, like what would you do? What would I do if we know this was the last little bit of time that we had? Uh, I, you know, I don't know if we, uh, we kind of tease that out a little bit. Maybe we would... Uh, y- you know, go on some fun vacation, go away for a couple hours. Maybe we would, uh, you know, eat all of the cookie dough that we could find. Maybe we'd do something crazy. Maybe we'd try to go on a trip. Maybe we'd get some uh, special time with family. Uh, Jesus was in this, this moment, knew this was coming. And what he did is so telling about two things. It is so incredibly telling about the, the, his character, something about him, and something that he is trying to do to form in us that is diametrically opposed to the value system that we have by nature and default in the culture. Uh, So what did Jesus do the last few hours and he knew it was up? If you're ready, say uh, ready. Uh, John says this in John chapter 13. We're going to pick it up in verse 1. He says, now before the feast of the Passover, when Jesus knew that his hour had come to depart out of this world to the Father, having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end. I love that. And during supper, and you know, so for them, they would often just recline on the ground, have a very uh, short table where they could kind of uh, lean up against one another on the ground and take this meal together. Uh, During supper, when the devil had already put it into the heart of Judas Iscariot, uh, Simon's son, to betray him, Jesus, Jesus, knowing that the Father had given all things into his hands, and that he had come from God and was going back to God, he rose from supper. Okay, so picture that you're one of the 12. So there was 13 people in that room, 12 disciples, and Jesus, you are reclined, and everybody's eating, and everybody's uh, maybe been asking questions. Jesus has obviously been teaching a lot, but then all of a sudden, Jesus just stands up. It says, and he laid aside his outer garments. He takes off his, uh, his coat of sorts uh, and, and, and sets it aside because it was a little physically restrictive for him to be bound by that uh, for what he is about to do. He laid aside his outer garments and taking a towel, he tied it around his waist. 
And then he poured water into a basin, and he began to wash the disciples' feet and to wipe them with the towel that was wrapped around him. I'm afraid if, like, if we haven't ever had this done to us or seen this, a little bit of the context of what's taken place is lost on us. Uh, this was a very familiar and normal cultural thing in his day because um, obviously most people are wearing sandals if, uh, if they can afford it, barefoot if they can't, uh, and they're wandering around uh, very dusty roads. We are well aware of that. Amen. Uh, dusty roads uh, following animals that are leaving things behind, behind them that you're walking in and just people's feet are uh, nasty. And the culture would be when you visited somebody's house, uh, you would walk in, you'd be greeted by your host, man or woman, whoever's house it was that was, uh, had invited you over for dinner. Uh, and normally you would walk in and and then uh, normally the, 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 the servant that was the bottom rung of all the servants, the, the lowest of the low of the servants, uh, would kind of slip in. Normally, they wouldn't even be acknowledged. You would just be kind of locked into your host talking to them uh, while this servant came in. And you would kind of keep talking and lift up your feet. And they would wash it and dry, lift up your feet, wash it and dry it so that you could come in their house. Right? That, that was a very normal custom. Uh, but it was normally done by the bottom rung of the servants. And all of a sudden, you get this picture of 13 men that are having dinner, uh, and maybe Jesus looks around and realizes that there is no servant in the room. Uh, it's just the 13 of them. There's no one to do that. And, and I don't know. I'm, I'm just guessing a few things because it seems like there were only two options uh, for the, the, the mental space of the 12 disciples. Uh, I'm assuming it was very apparent that there was nobody there. And so, uh, you know, a couple things could have happened. Either it never occurred to them uh, that maybe one of them could wash each other's feet. I highly doubt that's the case. This is what I think happened. I think they thought, you know, goodness, somebody needs to wash some feet, but I know it's not going to be me. I, I feel like it was almost this like positional power play, like somebody needs to do it, uh, but I'm trying to work my way up here, not work my way down. And so uh, I, I, I just, I'm not going to be that person because I'm trying to like draw attention and, and build myself up perhaps. I don't, I'm not going to associate myself as being a servant. And I wonder if that was what was going on in the minds of all 12 people when Jesus stood up takes his jacket off, gets a towel, starts pouring it. And I, have any of you ever had your feet washed like this? Okay, a couple of you. I, used, I went to Dallas Baptist University, and uh, really a big tagline of DBU was that they're creating servant leaders. Uh, and uh, what we would do at the end of every... Uh, kind of an introduction to freshman year at the beginning of every August, uh, which is probably taking place this week, is there was a foot washing ceremony um, where, because we're like, Jesus washed feet, we're going to be feet washers. So this would happen. And it's like, it takes way longer than you would think. Like, and you imagine like how much nastiness was on their feet. I just, I get this picture that it was a really long, awkward, silent 15, 20 minutes where they're just sitting there thinking, what on earth is Jesus doing? And, and he would go to one and he would take off the sandals, perhaps wash their feet, pull the towel off, dry them, takes a few minutes and move on. And just this really long, awkward pause. In fact, uh, it, it was so uh, 
out of place for someone of Jesus' stature, Peter is incredibly uncomfortable. And he's like pushing against, he's like, no, don't do this, don't do this, don't do this. You deserve to be, uh, be, be worshiped, not to be washing our feet. Like it, It's such an incredibly powerful picture when you understand what is going on. Verse 5, it says, he poured the water into a basin and he began to wash the disciples' feet and to wipe them with the towel that was wrapped around him. Jesus was doing the work of the lowliest of servants. Fast forward a couple verses down to verse 12. When he had washed their feet, so probably quite a few minutes of, I, I believe, silence and, and confusion and, and shock and awe were, were taking place. When he had washed their feet and put on his outer garments, he gets up, uh, puts the towel away, puts his jacket of sorts back on, and he resumed his place. I think they're probably all still sitting in shock. He said to them, do you understand what I have done to you? He's like, do, do, do you understand what I have just done to you? He's like, you call me teacher and Lord. He's like, you say that I'm the boss of everything. And, and I love what he says. And you're right. <laughs> he's like, I am the teacher. I am the Lord. He, he's the, he, he's the, the Lord of all creation, of all humanity. He washed the feet that he himself had created. Like, he's like, do, do you understand the position that I have that I could have walked in this room? I could have walked onto this planet demanding everyone else serve me and, and meet all of my needs because that is rightfully my position as the Lord. Verse 14, he says, and if I then, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also ought to wash one another's feet, for I have given you an example that you should also do just as I have done to you. Okay, so here's the, here's the shift in the sandwich. The, the first part is Jesus' example, and then he ends that with a command. Like, I didn't, he didn't just do this for the, for the end goal of getting their feet clean, the end goal of Jesus was providing an example that would shape and reform his followers into something drastically different than the culture, okay? Not just their culture, our culture, every culture on the planet. We begin with a heart that is turned in and bent in on ourselves, that we are, you know, I may offend you with this, but hopefully we all get this deep into like We are self-centered at, at heart at the beginning. And self-centered people don't serve because it's all about us. And so we enter into the world and this, uh, this, uh, this self-centered nature pervades every culture. And unless something is changed and reformed from a self-centered to a, an others-centered, we're not being shaped and molded into the image of Christ. And that's the whole, that, that was why he was washing feet, not to get them clean, but to give us an example that would turn us into servants. Okay, are y'all with me? So then the middle, you can put bologna in the middle, you can make it an Oreo, I don't, it doesn't matter what kind of sandwich, but the middle is, okay, now based on what Jesus just did and said, how is that supposed to reshape us as followers of Jesus, okay? Or in Jesus' words, I did this so that you also should do just as I have done to you. Now, is he asking us then to spend every day just to make sure today you wash somebody's feet? No, he's saying, make sure your life is marked by being a servant. Back to my original question. We are going to be shaped by one of two things, by the culture 
or by Christ. And, and that really is the shift that takes place from a, a me-centeredness to an other-centeredness. When that shift internally happens in someone's heart, the result is service, okay? The result is being a servant and meeting someone else's needs, and that's really hard to do if we're only looking inward and only concerned about ourselves. So I want to zoom out for just a minute, okay? Because we are talking about individual people and your uh, opportunity to be sanctified and shaped into the image of Jesus. But if we zoom out, let's look at, let's look at groups of people and, and cultures, right? Uh, so again, back to the idea that cultures have a collective. If everyone in a culture is turned in on themselves, what happens? And if everyone in a, in a culture turns outward and lives a life of service, what happens? Uh, I, I don't know if you would agree with this or not, but many sociologists that I've read the last few years, I uh, would say that the, kind of the thing that marks our culture right now, uh, the culture in the United States, um, is if, if it can be boiled up, down, boiled up or down, boiled down to one term, it is this. Are y'all ready? Entitled, right? <laughs> in, entitled, that we have kind of produced in us this entitlement that, well, it's, it's, it's like in our culture, right? It's all about the, the customer, right? The customer's always right, and everyone exists to, to serve us and to meet our needs, and like we're the center of the universe, and I'm entitled to certain things. I am entitled for everybody else to meet my needs and to serve me. Entitlement is the end of an inward-facing theology that is just kind of about me. Like that's the end of the road if we're shaped by the culture. What do you, what, we get what we got. We, we get what we have of a culture of people that are turned inward, that are entitled. And listen, like if, if we kind of take that mentality of like the customer's always right and it's about p- perfect customer service, listen, Midland's a hard place to live, right? <laughs> Just not the greatest customer service. That's a sideline for another day. But like conversely, what would happen, like legitimately, what would it look like for an entire group of people to have their hearts changed where it's no longer about what we are entitled to, but who we can serve? What dramatic change would that take place? And what that is, is a picture of what the church is supposed to be. We, we, we all, we have a long way to go, but the picture is supposed to be this countercultural group of people that are all individually being shaped by Christ, where our attention moves from self to others. We turn into servants to serve one another, and who on earth would not want to be part of that? Where you show up and there's a hundred other people that are there concerned about you and your needs and meeting your needs, and if everyone shows up to be a servant, every need gets met, everyone gets encouraged. That is what Jesus is trying to produce, which we could, I think we could all agree. That's a wildly different type of community than what the world system offers. Um, I'm, I'm I'm frustrated often by even even churches sometimes will not uh, like take on the mantle of of preaching a gospel that shapes us into the image of Christ. Uh, sometimes we just kind of take this this culture and this mentality and put some uh, some Jesus kind of lipstick on it, where we just add some Jesus phrases. But at the end of the day, we're like we're not trying to change people. 
Like, we're not trying to actually uh, cause this outward focus to, to happen in people's lives. And so uh, oftentimes, if, if a church is just not, not trying to, at the core, like, get us to release who we are and to, and to become servants of God primarily and, and, and people, other people secondarily, then some, it, just, it just does goofy things in the church. Uh, it's not about the gospel. Uh, it, it's about trying to keep people entertained. Be, and it's not about uh, trying to get people to serve. It's about just bring your consumerism that you bought, that you like picked up in the culture, and just bring it into the church. Don't change it because we'll entertain you. We'll make sure that the coffee's hot and everybody else is serving and the kids. And like, it's so tempting for, for, for that to not be pushed and challenged because it might upset someone or actually cause them to be changed by the gospel. Instead, we're just like, no, no, it's, it's still just about you. It's still just about you coming in and consuming, me coming in and consuming. There's not a call for repentance. There's not a call for service. There's not a call for the one thing Jesus decided to spend his last few hours convincing us to be about. And just goofy, goofy things when happen when churches decide they're going to get into the entertainment business. I love what uh, A.W. Tozer said. He says, the church that can't worship must be entertained. And so you just need to know this about us, that we are after Jesus reshaping us into the image of Christ. And a big part of that is this change that happens in us to turn our focus outward so that we become servants. So what does it look like if we're to try to follow Jesus' example? Look back in your Bible, and I'll quote Jesus. He said, do just as I have done to you. What does it look like for a church to try to obey and to embody that? Uh, a couple quick things um, just here at Redeemer. Okay, there, there's two different kind of sermons that Jesus preached. Uh, they're both valid. Uh, he, he, pre- he often preached a, a come and see message. And then he would preach a go and die message, right? The come and see where he's just inviting the masses, listen, come and see what, uh, see how powerful Jesus is. He's healing people. Uh, he's doing unbelievable things. And just thousands and thousands of people were super excited about come and see Jesus because he was giving them just an unbelievable message and power that was worth coming to see. But inevitably, he would turn his attention and he would change uh, the, the point of his messages to a go and a die, right? And, and, and the crowds got smaller. People walked away all the time. Like, no, no, no. Uh, I liked the come and see message, but now he's starting to talk about being a servant and a slave, denying myself, taking my cross, following him, I didn't sign up for that. I'm out. Like you need to know that both of those are important and valid. Uh, You might have picked up on this already. This is a little more of a go and die message, right? Because we're like running out of room, okay? Uh, We're running out of room. And so, you know, at some point in time, we're like, let's just preach the hard messages. And those who are on board with trying to obey what Jesus is telling us, praise the Lord, so excited. Those that want to maintain this consumer mentality that everybody else exists to serve me, just this, this just may not be the best place for you, okay? So what does it look like to, quote, do just as I have done? I'm glad you asked. I've got four things. Number one, I'm going to move fairly quickly, but these are, I mean, this is the, the middle of the sandwich. If Jesus gave us this example, said to follow it, this is how we follow it. Number one, uh, don't just serve, be a servant. Okay, don't just serve, be a servant. Those are different things. Like you can maintain kind of control of everything in your life and then maintain a little bit of a portion of of like, well, you know, 
I've got my family, I've got my work, I've got my vacation, I've got my leisure, I've got my hobbies, I've got all those things, and I have over here dedicated a little bit of time to serve, okay? That's way different than deciding we're going to be servants. Are y'all with me on the difference? That is way different. One, we still have maintained control and that we're still the masters of our lives. We've just chosen to dedicate a small portion to meet a need and to serve when it's convenient. That's way different than like the terminology that Jesus and Paul used to describe us is horribly offensive. He, he, does, he goes way further than even calling us servants. Oftentimes, he says, we're slaves, doulos. It's an offensive term in the first Like, we've given up. We belong. Like, Paul says, I'm not my own anymore. I've been bought with a price. Jesus owns me. I'm his servant. To, be, to truly be a servant of God and a servant of other people is way different than to maintaining control of everything and just having a few moments that we serve. Listen, I, I hope that you know this. I've been preaching this to myself the last few days, right? My, my, my own toes have been stomped on, okay? <laughs> this may be good for you to know. Number two, be aware of what you do with your freedom. How many of you like freedom? I love freedom. <laughs> I love I love I love living in the United States of America. I love living in the great nation of Texas. I just I love freedom. I love the freedom to work where I want to, to, to worship how I want to, to uh, make money, to use that money. To, like, I, I really do, and I think everybody loves freedom, but w- what you do with your freedom tends to reveal what we really believe about being a servant. Okay, um, Paul says this. Well, let me, let me back up. So like, again, cultural and Jesus. There's a difference between the American dream and the Jesus dream. The America dream would say, like, we've got freedom, so use all of your freedom so that you can amass uh, money and, 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 and responsibility and freedom and all these things so that at the end of the day, we can enjoy it and use it on ourselves. I think that's kind of in there. And that's very different than Jesus. Like, I think Jesus is way more pro-freedom than we are. But what, what has he allowed us to be free to do? What's the end game of our freedom? That's an important question to honestly ask. Paul says this in Galatians 5, for you were called to freedom, brothers. Only do not use your freedom as an opportunity for the flesh, but through love serve one another. What is he saying? God is all about freedom. Free, uh, like some of us have free time. Some of us have free money. Some of us have free resources. Do we use all of that just for ourselves? Or do we recognize that that has been a gift given to us to use to serve others? Okay, does that mean we can't take any of our free time or money and use it on ourselves? Absolutely not. I mean, even in in 1 Timothy, Paul says that God's given us so many good things, and many of those things are for us to truly enjoy. Like, I'm all about self-care. I mean, Jesus took naps, amen? <laughs> that, he's, that's, I'm following that model. I'm doing a great job on that one. Like, I'm all, I'm all for, like, enjoying good things, but to, to be very careful what we do to make sure that we're using our freedom to serve others. Number three, don't just serve when it's easy or convenient. I'm telling you, I'm just getting to the, to the, to the bones on this one. 
Don't just serve when it's easy and convenient. That's when you tell the difference if you're just serving or if you're actually a servant, okay? When it's easy, or because like, let me use the, the analogy of a parent for a minute. Okay, if you, if you are a parent, you have a, a, an infant that's just been born, brought into the world, uh, r- really, you're kind of their servant, right? You just kind of do what they need, and nobody has ever changed a diaper because it was convenient, right? You don't wake up and you're like, you know, I've got so much free time. <laughs> you know, what I would enjoy is uh, changing that, you know, nasty diaper, that blowout, you know? It's like, no, you just do what needs to be done for the sake of the health of the kid. It's not, it's not, you don't even ask the question, is it easy or convenient? Because it doesn't matter. You just do what needs to be done. Don't serve just when it's easy and convenient. Listen, serving is not always glamorous. Meeting somebody's needs is not always uh, fun. It's, it's rarely convenient. But I can't we agree that that's what Jesus is calling to, to actual service, that we do what needs to be done in someone's life. Why? Because we're servants, because Jesus has served us. Number four, seek to be a servant in every area of your life. Three main things that the Bible would talk about. All three of these are opportunities for us to be servants in our family in our job, in our church. Most of life fits into one of those three buckets, and, and, and I think there's a way in which uh, we're called to make sure that we're serving in all of them. We don't really get to choose, okay, well, I'm doing a great, great job serving in my job. Like, I'm, I'm a servant leader at my job. Uh, family, not so much. Church, not so much. That, that's imbalanced. Or like, I'm nailing it, just like serving the church, uh, but not doing a real great job of actually serving my wife uh, or serving my husband or my kids. Uh, you know, like, like, a true, a true person who's been molded and being molded into the image of Jesus to become a servant, that's going to reflect in every area of our life. So those three things. Number one, your job, okay? Your job, it doesn't matter if you're leading a lot of people or leading no one, you can be a, a servant. In fact, the, like, was true or false? Was Jesus a servant? Okay. True or false? Was Jesus a leader? <laughs> True. He was the best of both. In fact, the best leaders at heart are servants. So it doesn't matter if you, you could lead an entire multi-billion dollar company and still do it in a way that you're a servant trying to serve other people. So what's your job and what does it look like for you to be like Jesus and serve and and be given to, to love and serve and meet the needs of other in your job? What about your family? Uh, You can serve your parents uh, you could be a servant to your kids. You could be a servant to your husband, to your wife. What does it look like in your family to be a servant, to just meet somebody's needs, do what needs to be done, not when it's easier or convenient, but just something needs to happen. Like Jesus looking around, he's like, the feet are dirty. Somebody's got to do it. It's going to be me uh, and the church. This is such an important component. You can't understand Christianity in the New Testament without understanding God positioning us in church families. It just go, he, he goes into such great detail about giving all of us different spiritual gifts. Why? To serve, to meet. We're, we're such a wildly healthier church when we show up to serve. So uh, like 
all three of these, I think the expression of Christ in us is looking for ways to be servants. And I want to finish the sandwich, bring it back to the, the last piece of bread. Uh, Philippians chapter 2, if you have your Bible, I'll invite you to go there. Uh, it will be up here on the screen as well. Because he, he, he leaves us an example by serving, by, by washing feet and say, I want you to, to do this. I want this posture of serving to mark my people. And then we, we looked at a few ways to think about how does that truly express itself. And then I want to, to bring it back to Jesus because uh, he, he did way more uh, to serve his people than just simply washing their feet. Right, that was a small expression of just this unbelievable way, like indescribable way that Jesus has served us. And, and this really is what provides the motivation. Because you might ask the question, well, why should I do that? Why should I use my freedom to serve? Why should I see myself as a servant to God and a servant to others? Uh, and the answer to that, Paul gives us in Philippians 2 verse... Um, Three, we'll go probably through 11 here. Do nothing, Paul says, from selfish ambition, okay? I think this is him expressing like just kind of the natural cultural flow, selfish ambition, things done for self. He's like, that's not us anymore. Don't do anything from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility, count others. You see how that's the shift that happens? The shift that happens from self to others is the one that winds up expressing itself in service. But in humility, count others more significant than yourselves. Let each one of you look not only to his own interests, but also to the interests of others. Have this mind among yourselves, which is yours. You, you, might, you might want to circle that. That's a really powerful phrase that Paul's like, listen, uh, this is yours. This belongs to you because of Christ and his example and his spirit in you. This is yours. This is the mentality that we have because of Christ. This mindset belongs to you because it belongs to him. Have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who though he was in the form of God, he did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped. He, he was God, form of God, heaven, throne, servants, Lord. But he emptied himself and by taking the form of a servant. Like Jesus washing feet is a pretty compelling example of service. The, 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 the Lord God of all creation invading humanity to be mocked and spit upon and crucified is the most unbelievable example of service there has ever been or ever will be. Taking on the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men, and being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Therefore, God has highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Why is a heart of service such an important thing for a Christian? Why is that just Christianity 101? Because Jesus chose to be a servant. He served us through the cross. We're just 
complete recipients of his service to us, dying in our place for our sins, forgiving us, reconciling us, adopting us. And so as we're being made in the image of Jesus, that includes us giving our lives to serve others. If you would bow your head, close your eyes, and I want to pray that the Spirit would uh, truly stir up in each one of us to help us see. Father, we pray this morning. Father, we pray this in the midst of a culture that not value the things that you value. Better in our voice than Hollywood and social media and all the pervasive norms of our society that you would truly uh, change us and shape us and give us that mind that's already ours in Christ that we would be servants just as you have been. Father, I pray that you'd give a lot of wisdom for folks in this room to understand what that truly looks like in their job, in their family, in this church to give our lives as service Father, I pray that above all that we would um, love you and that that would point people towards what you have done for us uh, on the cross and through the gospel. God, shape us and, and mold us and change us into servants like you. I pray that you would do that for the good of those around us and for the glory of Christ. We love you, Jesus, and I pray these things in your name. Amen. Amen. We've got some time as we... Thank you for listening to this message from Redeemer Church. If you want to connect with us at Redeemer, we would love for you to visit us at a service in person or visit us online at www.redeemermidland.org.